No, I, I can't. No, this is just more fairy glamour. Human hearts don't work that way. Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me as always is Andrew Mount. What a fine fat boy you are, Jack. And Mason Kuzmich. I'm uncomfortable. On today's episode, we are finally discussing a movie that we have not already recorded before. Oh, God. <laughs> We're finally oh, out of the basement. <laughs> we are discussing Legend, a dark fantasy adventure starring Tom Cruise as the forest-dwelling Jack facing off against the Lord of Darkness, played by Tim Curry. Uh, I don't think any of us have seen this before uh, we watched it today. Uh, what do you guys think of it? I think that anything with Tim Curry is gold, and I enjoyed it despite some... Oh, there are the dogs. I enjoyed it despite, uh, you know, not necessarily being the best. I found some I found some things to, uh, to embrace, I guess. I don't know. Okay, uh, this was kind of a weird one for me because, I don't know, it was... The whole movie felt like a fever dream for me, and every, like... In every moment that I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, this should be bad and I should hate this. But weirdly, I think I liked it a lot. I don't know. Okay. I like a lot, a lot. But like, yeah, this could be like a six or seven out of ten for me, which is way better than I think maybe the movie even deserves. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I thought it had some, I thought it had a lot of uh, really good, really nice looking visuals at least. Yeah, visuals were great. Um Tim Curry, like I said, is always fantastic in the roles he does. So, I mean, I thought that was a massive positive. Um, yeah. And something about them just, like, playing it straight and throwing you into the weird fantasy world mm-hmm. from the beginning. And they didn't, like, give a whole lot of extra exposition on it. It just, like, made you feel... I don't know. I don't even know any movies to compare this to, really. It was just really different. Right. Well, and I, I mean, like that. I liked it better than I thought I would. I still don't think it was great. I think the thing that made it that that kept it from being you know just utter garbage was the visuals you know the makeup work was Mm -hmm. fantastic especially tim curry yes which all the uh, technical aspects of this movie were very good yeah like i mean you couldn't even see tim curry in that in that makeup it was so extensive and you know all the goblins looked great and everything the the whole world you know you 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 really got like you know the scope of the world and everything like that i kind of i do think the plot was a little weak Mm -hmm. um yeah acting wasn't wasn't incredible. So, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. I mean, this is definitely not the worst movie we've seen. Right, and I mean, no, no offense to Tom, but I think this is probably, as an individual actor, I think this is the weakest I've seen him. That's um, probably true. He's yeah, also would, not like a huge focal point in the movie. Weirdly, sure. Yeah, and, despite the fact that he's the main character, it really. I don't know. I felt like we got more of those little secondary characters he was with. You know the. Mm-hmm. I think I feel like he got more of Gump yeah. than, than anybody Gump else. And Gump, and, Gump and Lily, Sugar Berry or whatever all Damn. the <laughs> things are named. Brown Tom. Gump. Okay, <laughs> that makes me uncomfortable. Let's never and say that character name again. And Screwball. There yeah, we go. Brown Tom, Screwball, Una, Una, and Gump. Yeah, and then Jack, just chilling. Gump of the forest. Yeah, but yeah, so like it was. It's weird because it's just. It seems like it should have been a much worse movie, but then Ridley Scott directed it, and the visuals were all good, and the makeup mm-hmm. was all great. It's got like a, it's ridiculously fresh on Rotten Tomatoes from an audience perspective, mm-hmm. and then very rotten from a critic's perspective. So, yeah, just kind of know that going in. People might actually like this movie sincerely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, world. you know, usually, usually when it's skewed like that, it's not really in, you know, an artsy Oscar nominated like level movie, but it's still really popular and entertaining. And I mean, I was entertained. Sure. You know. It definitely wasn't a perfect movie by any stretch, but yeah, I, re- and, yeah. I really can't go on and enough about the visual because that was mm-hmm. actually pretty fantastic. Yeah, and this might um, this is probably a weird thing to say because um, Ridley Scott's a pretty good director, but um, especially back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like the theatrical cut I might have liked even more because it has like a ninety-minute runtime, and this movie feels like it's it probably would be best as like a shorter thing than a longer thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I can't I can't really say without seeing it. Um, I don't know what they cut out of the theatrical because we 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 watched the director's cut because that's the one that Tom wants you to watch. 
Sure. Well, and and uh, I don't know if did, you did looked Tom at the. Did Tom say that? Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's he really hated the American cut of this movie to the point where he wouldn't even talk about the movie for okay. like years. Wow. And he once they finally released the director's cut, uh, which wasn't terribly long ago, uh, he strongly pushed for everybody to watch the director's cut because he felt it was a more complete movie and ha- having all those cuts just, he felt just completely ruined the movie and basically wasted his time as an actor. So sure. Well, and I know from the, from the insert, I don't know if you read the insert in the actual box, but it looks Nobody like. Nobody does that. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? So, well, Who are you? <laughs> are you Mason? Are you, are you okay, buddy? <laughs> Okay. Well, there was a whole thing written out there by Ridley Scott, which basically said, uh, this was a movie I intended to make. We did a bunch of cuts and it ended up being not the thing that I was trying to do. So I think Ridley Scott probably feels the same way. Like, maybe mm-hmm. not to the point that you shouldn't see the theatrical release, but more that... Like I mean, Blade Runner, where there's like five different cuts and everybody's fighting over Actually, the he did bring up Blade Runner. He did bring up Blade Runner in that little thing he wrote, which I, apparently I'm the only one that's read ever. So I think there, I think there's three cuts to this movie. There's the American theatrical, a European cut, and then a director's cut. So oh, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's not quite to the level. I don't know how many cuts of Blade Runner there are now, but watch the final cut of Blade Runner. It's the best one. <laughs> but yeah. I think, yeah, uh, yeah. He wrote this coming right, coming right off of Blade Runner. I'm pretty sure. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, maybe, I don't know, not quite to the level of Blade, Blade Runner, but you know, still pretty good. Not quite to the level of Blade <laughs> Runner. <laughs> yes. This is not quite one of the best sci-fi movies ever made. But pretty good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Podcast done. That's that's the pod. All right. All right. You've been listening to Cruising It. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our discussion of Legend. In order to cast the world into eternal night, Darkness, played by Tim Curry, sends the goblin Blix on a mission to kill the unicorns that guard the light and bring him their horns. Blix and his colleagues, Pox and Blunder, follow impetuous Princess Lily, played by Mia Serra, and her forest-dwelling paramour Jack, played by Tom Cruise, through Jack's forest home to the lair of the unicorns. When Lily distracts the stallion by stroking it, Blix shoots it with a poison dart from his blowpipe and the unicorns flee. Lily makes light of Jack's fears that she broke the law of the forest by touching the sacred animals and sets him a challenge by throwing her ring into a pond, declaring that she will marry whoever finds it. While Jack dives in after the ring, the goblins find the dying stallion and sever is alicorn. A, an apocalyptic winter descends. Lily runs off in terror and Jack is barely able to break through the surface of the now frozen pond. An alicorn is a unicorn horn, I assume? I guess. Okay. They didn't like take something separate from the unicorn. <laughs> no, they I'm pretty they sure they just, they just took the off. corn. The, the, yeah. Okay. It's a yeah unicorn horn. An alicorn is a unicorn horn. People. Good to know. Um, so really, the I just want to go to one thing that really stuck out to me, even in the movie, is her throwing the ring in the pond. Like, I don't know. She just says, "Hey, I'll marry whoever uh, I give this ring to." And throws it in the pond, and I just, I can't help thinking, just give it to him. Well, she she said she wanted to challenge her suitors. Yeah, but clearly she she said that, clearly she said that because she wanted to marry him. Why not just... If he can't dive down there and hold his breath for 10 minutes and find that ring, then he doesn't deserve to marry her. And almost get frozen under a sheet of ice. This is a fairy tale world, okay? Okay. You just gotta roll with it. All right, fine. Uh, Except that this movie's perfect in every way, and let's move on. I like... Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. The movie perfect in every way. Are we done? I think so. All right. You've been listening to Cruising It. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I really did like this early section, though, um, Mm because it kind of throws you in, and I had a lot of questions because it doesn't throw, like, lots of exposition at you, and that kind of kept me paying attention, you know? I was just like, what is, like, is Tom Cruise an elf? Is he a fairy? Like, what's going on here? Right. Is it 
And I guess he's just like a forest-dwelling human, yeah. but like why in a time and place where you would live next to unicorns if you were a forest-dwelling human. Yeah, why is there so much shit blowing through the air? Yeah, there's just like <laughs> cherry blossoms and shit just yeah, everywhere. Cherry blossoms and glitter. It, and it just makes for some great shots, you know? It's a really good it aesthetic for the like movie. trash. It looked like uh, little pieces like of paper. Flower petals. Uh, it's called confetti, not trash. Funfetti. And then you had snow <laughs> later. It was great. It was beautiful. It's such a good frame in here. Yeah. This is a perfect movie. This is not a perfect movie. <laughs> uh, lighting, pretty pretty impeccable, though, I will yeah, say. Yeah, pretty good. At the beginning, when you see um, uh, uh, Satan uh, send the goblins <laughs> Darkness. to go kill the unicorns or whatever, um, I can't decide if I feel like the goblin faces are like great or if I hate them because they're disgusting and I want to throw up. Well, I, I think, think they're supposed to be disgusting. So if they're disgusting and make you want to throw up, then they're good. Sure, sure. Okay, good practical effects on the goblin faces. Yeah. Also, how much does it suck to be the goblin named Blunder? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the one that was in all armor. Didn't oh. he get eaten later? Yeah, uh, he ended up almost. He ended up being a dwarf. Spoilies. Oh, yeah, <laughs> spoiler alert. Okay, he actually no, he was an elf, wasn't he? No, I'm pretty no. sure he was a dwarf because they, he was locked up in the cage next to the. Uh, we're getting way ahead, but not locked up next to the dwarves. That we'll, we'll get to Jack it. and everything, we'll but yeah. Uh, I bet you creative control of all of our podcasts that he was an elf. Okay. I've read through the synopsis, so I know 100% God that he's damn a dwarf, it. but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we get this scene with the unicorns, and yeah, I didn't really get what was so wrong about, like, I guess it says here, the law of the forest is you can't touch the unicorns. Mm-hmm. They didn't really convey that very well in the movie it was just her running towards the unicorns and tom cruise is like oh no stop you can't do that you can't do yeah yeah tom, really tom looking very scared and her being like oh, what the fuck i'm gonna go pet a unicorn yeah tom with his gigantic teeth and unibrow okay okay <laughs> He's Can we little, not? he is a little doofy in this movie right uh, a little but i mean i think part I of that's also affects in t- intended jack situation oh my god <laughs> I think part of it is the intended effect of saying, okay, yeah, he's been living in in the forest his whole life. Well, I mean, you you mentioned when we were watching this, like, like, why is his teeth so big? They're huge. Well, I think we actually may have mentioned that in either last episode or losing it, too, how his teeth kind of look big. Because his teeth were messed up in the first couple movies, and then he got dental work to get them fixed. And I think maybe he just hasn't grown into his teeth yet. That would make sense, actually. Tom, Just wait till next movie. So these are Tom Cruise's baby teeth. Is Tom, what yeah. saying. Tom, I guess. you are his well, adult, his teeth, adult teeth. But he's a baby. Baby. This is his <laughs> baby body. He's got adult teeth and a baby body. Okay. I don't. Tom, your physical I, appearance is perfectly fine. Yeah. And is, yeah, you, yeah Tom, if, man if you're and, listening to this, let us know what was going on with your teeth, man. Okay. We want to know. Listen, you know, I'm yeah. sorry. They keep <laughs> focusing <laughs> on his physical. Ed Cruz uh, oh my god. Body shame, Tom Cruise. Oh, hashtag, hashtag. Hey, man, big teeth or not, he's still gorgeous. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> Look at that hair. The oh, beautiful flowing hair. Such oh, a wow. weird thing for us to be focusing on right now. <laughs> you guys can't see this because this is a podcast, but Donovan just took off his ring and threw it into a pond. Oh, shit. <laughs> started looking around, hopefully. so Go get it, Tom. Taking refuge in a frozen cottage, Lily overhears the goblins talking about their slaying of the stallion and testing the alicorn's magical powers. She follows the goblins to a rendezvous with darkness who orders them to hunt and kill the surviving mare. Blunder unsuccessfully tries to use the alicorn to overthrow darkness and is taken away to his castle. Meanwhile, Jack, accompanied by the forest elf Honeythorn Gump, the fairy Una, and the dwarves Brown Tom and Screwball, finds the lifeless stallion and his mate. The mayor tells, tells Jack that the alicorn must be recovered and returned to the stallion. Leaving Brown Tom to guard the unicorns, Jack and the others retrieve a hidden cache of ancient weapons. While they are gone, Lily tries to make things right by helping to save the mare, but the goblins overpower Tom and capture the mare and Lily. Learning what has transpired, Jack and his group make their way to the castle in the middle of a swamp. On the way, they are nearly killed by a swamp hag named Meg Mucklebones, but defeat her by flattering her appearance and then decapitating her. All right, so, I mean, I guess the first thing we learn here is that unicorn horns make shit explode. Yeah, they're basically just like a magic wand. But, like, like mostly for lighting things explode. on fucking yeah. fire. It's great. Well, I don't know. It's, it, like, it, it lets uh, it sets stuff on fire. It cracks things in half. Like, I don't know. Like, is it just destructive, or is this what the what Blix was trying to do? 
But I mean, he did seem like a destructive little fucker. So. Well, they, they are goblins, so, you know. Well, okay, that's just racist. Uh, Not all goblins are destructive. Oh, I think you need to look at more fantasy works. Pretty much always. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I can't find my notes on this, uh, full disclosure. So uh, I, believe... I think this is the section where I wrote down that these bad guys are clearly uh, men's rights activists. Yes, yes, I remember this, <laughs> I remember this moment. <laughs> because they have this moment where Darkness is like, there's still a unicorn here, and my power's something. Go kill the unicorn. And they're like, but it's just a girl, Mr. Darkness. It can't do anything. Females have no power. And then Darkness was like, yeah, except the power of creation. Like He literally says it like that. Like, yeah, no power but creation. So anyway, I guess what I'm saying is that Satan is a feminist in this movie. And the rest uh, of the bad darkness. guys are, yeah, sorry, the darkness is a feminist and he <laughs> recognizes uh, the uh, feminine power of creation. <laughs> sure. Also, how would the unicorn create anything? It doesn't have any dudes to, to honk it with. It still has its alicorn. Oh my God. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I skipped the unicorn. Section. He has Jack. Said. Oh no. Ooh. Oh no. Listen, but mortals Ooh. can't touch the draw unicorns. It. Draw it. Mortals can't touch the unicorns. Draw it and tweet it at us. At Don't Net do Pod. that. Please. I'm the one that Hashtag has to look at those. Unicorn sex. Yeah. Ship ship Jack and the unicorn. Send those please. send those to Ben Shapiro. Um, like, please. Animals not me. Consent, so don't have sex with animals. <laughs> okay, yes. Accurate. Um But do it. Yeah, so Oh my god, get, what <laughs> So we get Blunder trying to, uh, living up to his name and trying to attack the Lord of Darkness with the Alicorn. Mm-hmm. Does literally nothing and then just gets, you know, taken Carried away. Carried off by a zombie that, or whatever that just like pops up, grabs him and drops down a hole. Yep. Yeah. Uh, apparently taken away to Darkness's castle. Yeah, down the hole. <laughs> yeah, and also we meet Gump, which I don't... Oh, right. I did a little Googling on this. So I guess Gump is just like an elf... Mm-hmm. Of the woods, right? Yeah, so forest he's, elf. he's a forest elf, right? Forest gump. He's uh, a forest okay. gump. Yes. Right? I did some Googling. I was like, surely this is like there's some common myth that's inspiring this or something. And there's like a character in The Wizard of Oz or something, but no indication that Forest Gump is based off of either of them. <laughs> so I don't no, know I want, what's I, happening there. No, this this is confirmed. Forest Gump was based on Honeythorn Gump from Legend. <laughs> Which is why he spent most of that movie just standing there shouting about how touching unicorns is bad, and as soon as someone does, he throws a massive fucking tantrum. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, anyway, uh, Gump is cool. I feel like he actually does like a lot of the legwork during the movie, mm-hmm. uh, and he seems pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, he guys, looks like Frankie Muniz. Did you guys, uh, <laughs> did you guys notice, and uh, I picked up on this pretty early on, that uh, the person who voices Blix and the person who voices Gump is the same person? I did not. Oh, I did not catch up. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I'm played by different people, but they voice... I mean, I don't know if you could tell most of what... Are pre- I guess pretty much all of what Gump said was ADR. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Was uh, recorded. And actually, I, I think I remember reading that pretty much all of the forest scenes, like the outside scenes, were all ADR from everybody because you couldn't hear anything. That oh. makes sense. That makes sense. So it looked like they were in some sort of a location with things going on. Yeah, and I I definitely caught it a lot with Gump. There was a few times where his lips and the sound didn't quite match up. Sure, and I that mean, probably contributes a lot to some of the awkwardness that was there in the acting. Mm-hmm. Or it seemed to be in there in some of the acting. Yeah, I could maybe there's just like wasn't perfect perfect lining up of the audio with the with the movement stuff like that just mm-hmm. they did so much adr so yeah dubs are never perfect so make sure to watch the sub version at home when you watch this movie yeah the original the original <laughs> japanese <laughs> sub of yeah, legend yeah, yeah the <laughs> japanese voices are always better yeah the forest the forest is way scarier yeah tom cruise's japanese, japanese voice version. like great how'd y'all feel about the dwarves <laughs> brown tom and screwball these are these are nothing characters to me a brown tom was was a jedi okay everything that they were doing brown tom was literally a jedi with a frying pan i could never scene was just like played for laughs right yeah yeah i i could never figure out which one was which they looked almost the older one is screwball with one of them older Mm -hmm. yeah one of them was like old and had gray hair and brown tom had brown hair that's why it was brown tom oh oh, was that that why maybe because it was brown pants Oh well, there. Maybe he just likes the color brown. That's true. Rat- but yeah, I don't. There was some focus. These characters had a few scenes that I could. You could have cut the whole thing out. You could have just had Gump and Una, and it would have worked for me. Yeah, yeah, that probably would have been fine. But oh, then you, you could have just, all their... just had 
had Gump. I mean, I guess Una comes to, comes well, into play later. You have but... that scene where Gump uh, tries to get Tom Cruise to kiss him so that he'll get them out of the cage. <laughs> but, I think, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Am I not sweet, Jack? <laughs> You'll get that if you watch the movie. <laughs> go ahead and pause right here, go watch the movie, and then come back. It'd be a great joke. Also, when the goblins attack, I... I I mean, you find out he's okay, but I thought they just straight up murdered Brown Tom by shooting oh, him with sure. an arrow in the head. But like at the very tip of his head, too. It was, it was a really interesting death. But who knows? Maybe maybe dwarves have pointed heads and their uh, but it wasn't their brains death. are... I yeah. know. But yeah, just basically imagine like a lawn gnome and he gets shot at the top of his hat and then he dies. <laughs> also, and imagine what that head would have to... I mean, just the cone yeah, head. Yeah, it's, it's the guess. cone heads and like the tip of their brain is just the most important part. Also, what cone the... heads? How did we ever... I just want to stop the whole podcast for a second, <laughs> and I want to discuss what was the appeal of the Coneheads as a society because they don't—they got never, a few movies. I never right? watched any of them. Well, so. I mean, they started from—they an, started from an funny? SNL sketch, right? Like that wouldn't surprise me. I know nothing about Coneheads. It looked stupid when I was a kid, and I never watched it. So, okay, okay. I just wanted to check <laughs> to make sure you guys agreed. Uh, yeah, no, okay. I don't get it. So, what the fuck is Lily doing here? Like she's. She's so useless. Well, she's... Uh, okay, so at the start, she, A, she's running, trying to figure out... She doesn't know what's going on. Everything just froze. The person she loves, she thinks, is trapped under an ice sheet. And uh, she comes into a cabin to find her friends from earlier who don't really do much, uh, but frozen, essentially. Um, which, I will say, it's kind of weird that she didn't get frozen when it seems like the other humans do. She's a princess. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, what about Jack? Jack was underwater. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, many problems with that. But, no, I mean, I mean, at this we point, see she's more, sure there's some significance. We see more unfrozen characters than frozen characters. Sure. So maybe being frozen is the abnor- ab- abnormal, abnormal thing. Right. I yeah. can't. Abnormality. I could, there you go. I yeah. can't say it. My mouth doesn't work. Well, so... I mean, she does kind of get a better idea of anyone else, you know, what's going on, what the goblins are trying to do, what the uh, what the Lord of Darkness is trying to do. But at the same time, she also never tells anyone before she gets netted up with the unicorn. That's true. But I think it's important for her because, yeah, she finds out that it is her mm-hmm. fault and that the unicorns being killed is the cause. But it's it. still every, not really her fault. Every I mean, problem in this movie is Lily's fault. But no. Well, she finds out from their perspective it's her fault. Sure, but she's because not the one that s- shot it with a poison dart. Okay, but she right. was the one who distracted it and made it an easy target and broke the law of the forest. Oh, yeah. I mean, That's uh, like what happens in the scene, right? Is the goblin's like, yeah, but you, we never could have done that if the princess weren't distracting the unicorn. Yeah, because the princess goes up and just starts, to make her starts, feel bad. Pe- starts petting the stallion and the stallion's just standing there perfectly still, giving a huge fucking target to Blix and then... Uh. Yeah, he would have been running I mean, I'm around not putting playing. like a moral fault okay. on her, but this oh, scene is just her feeling actually, guilty because of that. I do want to bring something up about the unicorns uh, that I kind of forgot about until just now. Unicorns. I apologize. But is it just me or when they first came up, did, did they sound like humpback whales? Uh, that's actually the audio that they used. Really? Was humpback whales. That was oh. really weird to wow, me. way to poach our trivia section, bro. I'm I actually sorry. didn't put that in the trivia section, okay, but it came up well. organically, so it's okay. Continue. <laughs> nice. <laughs> This was so organic. One hundred percent grade A organic. Anyway, sorry. Go on, humpback whales. Oh was no, I just, just it, sound like it was just whales. really weird to me they to did. see horses. It, it sounded that like sounded that to me like. Too. I guess they were trying to give them like a like a mystical like other different world, like, like otherworldly noise and yeah, yeah, famously mystical humpback whales. Yeah, they're <laughs> fucking majestic as fuck, dude. And then we get this random ass scene with the swamp hag, Meg Mucklebones. All right, so this is <laughs> this is one point that I actually want to want to talk about uh, the visual here because the swamp hag was really fucking good, mm-hmm. just costume wise. Like my first thought uh, was was the hag enemies from uh, from The Witcher. It looked. Like spot on to something like that, or even like art that you might see in various kind of fantasy books, which makes sense. It's obviously what they're going for, but it's like it's it's rare, I think, to see something that captures that so well. Mm-hmm. So great job costume design on that. <laughs> yeah, I I love the way that 
that he kills her too. Just like complimenting her. <laughs> yeah, you're super pretty. And then... Bah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... And then he oh. seems like super fucking like surprised that he was able to do that. Yeah. Clearly not a very accomplished warrior. Sure. Jack. I think the lesson here is that men will lie to you and then kill you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Before we go on to this next section, I just want to point out that I did not actually agree to give Andrew creative control if he was <laughs> right about Blunder being an elf. I looked ahead and I already know. <laughs> so, after reaching the castle, Jack's group oh, falls into so an good. underground prison cell mm-hmm. in a hellish kitchen. Uh-huh. They what, what happens next? They encounter Blunder in the same cell, <laughs> oh, revealed Blunder? to be... Who is that? A dwarf gone <laughs> no, an elf, an elf gone astray. Yay, Andrew, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, you've forgotten something important, Ooh. and that is that Daddy is never wrong. That ever. is true. <laughs> never been wrong about anything in any podcast we've ever done. Seems like he was wrong just now. <laughs> they encounter Blunder in the same cell, revealed to be an elf gone astray, before he is dragged off by an ogre cook to be baked into a pie. Una offers to use her magic to escape their cell and retrieve keys to free the others if she receives a kiss from Jack. He is tempted when Una turns into Lily, but refuses to follow through, telling her human hearts don't work that way. Greatly offended by his rejection of her, Una scolds Jack, but realizing what's at stake, she frees everyone so they can all search for Lily and the mayor. You know, Jack is right. Human hearts do not work that way in, in, in the way that they could possibly ever make out with more than one person uh lily is the uh, true love of his heart their love is endless if you will oh endless love <laughs> oh i oh so this is a prequel to uh oh God, to david axelrod story he's losing it he's losing that <laughs> oh, love damn it, yeah, this is jack axelrod oh okay and that that explains why he also makes all the right moves as he's <laughs> yeah and he's really an outsider in this group when you think about it i mean yeah he's like the not only non-fantasy creature in it i mean he can't just be he can't just be losing it to anybody he's gotta he's gotta lose it to lily yeah that's all very true taps <laughs> <laughs> i was i was searching my head i was like what the fuck is the other move that we've done already <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay, so I have a lot of okay. I I, got, I have three big thoughts on this scene. Okay, and they all contradict each other. Uh-huh. Um, the first is totally not cool of Una to be like, "I'll let you out so you don't get baked into a pie if you kiss me," because that's weird. It's creepy, and you should have Jack's enthusiastic consent before you kiss him. Well, sure, and and kissing is the fantasy equivalent to well, sex. He actually yes. does give now, give her a little kiss, and then now, she's and then she's oh, like, okay. "You yeah, call he calls that, that a kiss? kiss? <laughs> you you thought you were kissing Una, but it was I, Dio." <laughs> Um, yeah, and then my second thought is uh, kind of a, I don't know, kind of a weird uh, lame move by Jack to not just be able to kiss this fairy to like save all their lives, right? I'd be so pissed if I were a cop. I'd be like, oh my sure. god, just kiss her. She doesn't look bad. That'll keep <laughs> us alive. Um, and then my third thought is that uh, that also contradicts those is that I just like that line where he's just like, human hearts don't work that way. It is I think very. That's a nice little yeah. fantasy line. It's wholesome and innocent. And yeah, it's like yeah. you can look like the love of my life, but I need the real thing. So sweet. I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, and we do. We do also see the uh, classic little fantasy trope there, where uh, elves and iron don't uh, don't mix well. Oh yeah, it's a little. Which is a nice little nod to uh, to a lot of classic uh, mythology and folklore and all that. Yeah, because they were originally going to have Gump use his forest elf magic to get out, but then he can't because the bars are made of iron. Right, so Una navies her way to the to the uh, hey <laughs> to, listen, the, to the keys, and then comes back and yeah, yeah. I don't know if we mentioned that, but Una can turn into a human being, or she can turn into a Tinkerbell. Yeah, the majority of the movie, she's just like a little glowing light that's like flying around next to them, and then every once in a while, she turns into this uh, this woman who wants to make out with Jack, and then hell yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, who wouldn't, right? <laughs> Lily, <laughs> <laughs> clearly, yeah. She tried to get him to drown instead <laughs> if, of marry him. <laughs> what if Jack goes in to to kiss Una and then she like takes off her ring and throws it outside the jail cell? And she's like, "I'll kiss whoever can get my ring." <laughs> no. <laughs> Having fallen in love with Lily, darkness tempts her with jewelry, a beautiful dress, and promises of power and glory. Seemingly seduced, she agrees to wed him under the condition that she kills the mayor in the upcoming ritual. Overhearing their conversation, Jack and Gump learn that darkness can be destroyed by can be destroyed by daylight. 
After saving Blunder, the group takes the ogre's giant metal platters to reflect the sunlight to the chamber where their mayor is to be sacrificed. They really gloss over this fantastic dance scene. Yes. Uh, like, this part is great, and I also do want to say that uh, Mia Sara uh, did a fantastic job just in throughout this scene, definitely playing opposite of, like, Tim Curry. I thought, like, acting-wise, this was probably the best scene in the movie hmm. as this all kind of built. Yeah, and this dance scene, like, she's not really dancing with him. She's dancing with, like, this just, like, mm-hmm. epitome of, like, darkness or evil or something like that and then it's the like, darkness in her heart yeah and then like basically does this pretty long pr- pretty well choreographed dance scene and then she just like morphs into like the evil version of herself i guess like sexy goth yeah. she gets all dark it's pretty clothes cool. it's like she's has... tempted into dancing with the darker side of her nature or whatever and yeah it becomes her well i mean it all the, starts with a little that. deep here in in this you know fantasy epic right and like uh, like a lot of uh <laughs> Like a lot of uh, other classic fantasy stuff, it all kind of starts with some clearly sort of cursed jewelry with that big necklace at the at the beginning. I was going to say, Darkness fell in love with her. When the fuck did he do that? Yeah, has I he met her before? I mean, the, I, there was the, he was talking to like the the goblins or something, and I don't know. I, I think the dog. I think the dogs were distracting me at this point, but yeah. I I don't remember exactly what it was. But they one of them suggested that he try to seduce her. So I don't know if that had something to do with his plan in general, or if yes. maybe he actually was smitten with her. He's just like, you are my one true love. I know it. But that was my Tim Curry voice, by the way. Um, <laughs> oh. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, you don't know this girl at all. And, you know, you haven't been friends with her. Maybe you need to go talk to David Axelrod back from, you know, Endless yeah. Love and uh-huh. learn a little lesson about what love is and isn't. Oh, my I mean, God. To be Can fair, we stop that? No, that movie. No. To be fair, he is the Lord of Darkness, like, you know, obsessive love. It's probably not within the realm of impossibility for Satan. Sure. You <laughs> gotta... You, well, yeah. As the ritual begins, Lily frees the mare, but is knocked out by darkness. While the others relay the light of the setting sun using the platters, Jack fights darkness, finally wounding him with the severed alicorn. As the redirected sunlight blasts him to the edge of a void, darkness warns them that because evil lurks in everyone, he will never truly be vanquished. Jack hesitates as he realizes this to be true, but overcomes his doubt and severs the evil hand holding the alicorn, thus expelling him into the void. Gump returns the stallion's horn, returning him to life, and ending the winner. Jack retrieves the mystic ring from the pond and returns it to Lily, returning her to life. And we have three different endings depending on the version you watch. The version we watched, director's cut, uh, Lily wakes with Jack trying to convince her she was merely dreaming, but she is ultimately unconvinced. They confess their love for each other, but realize they live in two different lifestyles, which causes Lily to to request continuing a merely platonic relationship. Jack, happy with this request, accepts. Lily returns to her home to assume her responsibilities, promising to visit him again. Jack happily runs off into the sunset, hailed by the forest fairies and the revived unicorns. And the differences with the other versions in the theatrical version, uh, Jack and Lily, you know, remain in love or whatever and watch the unicorns reunite and they run off into the sunset together. And then darkness is watching them from the void laughing. And then the European version is the same as the American theatrical cut, but without the appearance of darkness. Oh, so the main difference between the European and American one is that the American one sets up for a sequel, which we will never get. Thank Boo. God. Yeah. Um, I mean, this it's called part, Hellboy. All right. <laughs> this, this last part, you know, is what it is. It's just kind of the final battle. Um, I will say there's like, the you know, kind of the cool thing that darkness sort of like brings up in his ending monologue, you know, is he's just like, Oh, you know, you'll never defeat me because darkness lives inside of every man's heart or whatever. And I'm like, that's a really cool theme that you just really didn't explore at all with this movie. Like, I kind of wish <laughs> that's what the sequel's had, like, for. Maybe thought, <laughs> please God, no. <laughs> but they maybe thought that he was like defeated in the middle of the movie or something. And w- then he came back because he's like Mumra or something, right? He's like, as long as there's evil, I'll survive. But it, I love it didn't happen. I love how we were all fairly positive on this movie, but every time the mention of the sequel gets brought up, we're all just like, oh God, no, no please. Yeah, no. Oh, definitely not. Oh no, sweetie, no, no. This movie I mean, doesn't need a sequel. It, yeah, uh, if if Tim Curry could do, could do it, I would be all for it again. But just otherwise, back, just bring back all the same actors. Yeah, just, like, yeah. it'd be like oh, the, Jack it'd be like Top Gun ripped. too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he really grew into those teeth. Yeah, Gump is not looking good for an elf, though. 
Well, and, and <laughs> he is Jack a large is, adult man. <laughs> Jack is now skydiving into Darkness's lair. <laughs> I would watch. I would watch a Mission Impossible Legend crossover. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I would not, unless <laughs> I was contractually obligated to because Tom Cruise was in it. <laughs> oh, that's right. We. uh Yes, we're forcing you to watch these movies. God damn it. Let me out of this basement. <laughs> no. Get all back it, in your corner. All it has is every Tom Cruise movie ever made at a TV. <laughs> I need a bathroom and food and water to survive. You, you have, have a Tom bucket. Cruise. No, you have to give me these things. You have Somebody a bucket. please help me. Uh, listen, it's not our fault you didn't read the contract. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of feels like a generic fantasy ending sure but there's like darkness some... is vanquished and then everything's okay yeah, yeah but... literally the darkness is vanquished <laughs> right there's some good action though i mean you get a you get a little little comedy relief scene with uh what was it screwball falling asleep <laughs> <laughs> so fucking stupid <laughs> yeah. yeah they sent yeah they sent one of the dwarf screwball up this like tower to to put the last like silver platter to reflect the daylight and he takes a nap yeah, he he exhausted himself climbing up there and just falls asleep. And then Una has to go up there, and she's like, "Screwball, wake the fuck up, dude!" Like, <laughs> like I get it though. This like, entire plan is hinging on this. <laughs> Why did we send you? You're terrible. Why didn't I just fly up here like I just did? That is a great question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't well, really okay. Know. So it shows her trying to tilt the platter up herself and struggling with it. Like she, she needs yeah. the strength of a dwarf. All right. But don't you have magic? Not that kind of magic. What? Yeah, she's a she's a <laughs> fairy or a pixie or something. I mean, I think she's a fairy. I think that's what they said. I don't know. Who knows what anything in this movie is? So they do have one part <laughs> that I think wasn't in the recap, which was kind of nice. Which was the um, princess is you know she's acting like she's going to kill the unicorn, right? Mm-hmm. And then Tom Cruise has got like his arrow and he's kind of waiting in the wings and he could shoot her and stop her because it looks like she's about to kill the unicorn. Mm-hmm. And Gump is like, "Do it! We have to save the unicorn." <laughs> and Tom Cruise is like, "I'm I'm not going to do it. I trust her." And then Gump is like, "Okay, I'll do it." And then he's like, "No, don't do it, Gump." Um, so you, you know you just kind of get this nice little moment of um, Tom Cruise having faith in the one he loves. Yeah, and it makes sense that their two paths would collide in this way, and that he would have to have this moment of confusion where he's like, should I shoot my girlfriend? Because she's acting like she's married to Satan right now. <laughs> Darkness. Yeah. yeah. Gump, <laughs> Gump does not trust the goth GF. I... Yeah. And you have a nice little... Um, it's weird, because I feel like in the um, director's version, you have like a nice little character arc for both of them i mean i guess tom cruise is like learns he can be here what you know the most generic hero's journey bullshit you can imagine <laughs> um and then you know the princess is like oh i you know should maybe take things more seriously and take responsibility for things and not just go around petting unicorns i should go rule my kingdom because i'm a princess um i don't know what the american version go, uh, was going for though it was just like i guess we're in love bye I, I, I should probably go check on those people who were frozen in that cabin yeah there was a, there was a couple and a little baby and they were frozen and oh, I, the frozen baby <laughs> i yeah. forgot about that that crib that it showed that was, was a little rough and, Man, they, and then they just throw it on the ground and it shatters into a million pieces well, that didn't happen at all Oh, okay. When they pee on it. It was really a weird scene. I, I, I have a feeling that that scene might have been a uh, director's cut only thing. Because I know one of the changes they made when they cut everything out was the movie was a lot darker. Mm-hmm. And then when they cut it out, it kind of made it not quite as dark. And, you know, having little babies frozen. Sure. Maybe to death. That's a little dark. Yeah. So hey, I, if you think about been, it, If you think about it, that would also be a... An important plot point in the movie Frozen. Well, you know what we have to do now? We have to watch the theatrical cut and compare all the differences. So pause the podcast. We're going to go watch another movie. Uh, no, don't do that. <laughs> we're not going to do that. All right, we're back. Wow, that was like <laughs> twice as good as the director's cut. See, right? I thought it was twice as bad. Yeah, I thought it was brave of them to have five Frozen baby scenes. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. so much darker. I thought they just, I thought <laughs> they, they added stuff for director's cut. I was wrong. Yeah, it was just weird. Just 30 minutes of frozen we're babies. Lying. And Tim Curry was just flipping Every, everyone off constantly. Everything we say yeah, is it's a weird. lie. And, they and didn't naked. Even, they didn't everything. even put his makeup on except for his dick. Everything <laughs> we say is a lie. Oh, no, Sorry, that's what? not makeup. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? You reminded me. I need to brag about this. This is great. <laughs> okay. So, you know how, like, in olden times, everybody had to be really good at riddles so, like, sphinxes didn't kill them or whatever? Oh, um, right. I remember this. <laughs> when Gump first shows up, 
he told a riddle and I got the riddle right. So I also could have been the hero of this story. <laughs> Fuck everybody else. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the uh, the consequence for not getting the riddle right was uh, Gump was going to kill Jack. Was that really the consequence? Yes. Jesus, is Gump a was bad it? guy? I think so. Wow. Jesus Christ. Elves are fucking pricks in this movie. Yeah. Listen, this listen. Metal. If you can't, if you can't, <laughs> that he looks like a ten-year-old boy, but somehow he's a twenty-two-year-old man. I guess I don't understand what's going on with Gump. <laughs> Did they say he's twenty-two? No, I just think the actor is. What at the time of the movie? Yeah, oh, no, I don't know. Maybe I got his age wrong. But I thought he was born in the sixties or something. This is in the eighties. Maybe he's one of I those mean, eternally you do, youthful. You can do practical effects, and maybe he's like you know Danny DeVito sized or something. You shave the armpits. <laughs> I don't Help know. No us offense Google. to David or like whatever that, that guy's That's name more is. shocking. I'm not trying to say you look like a child, but sure. That's more shocking than the age of Ralph Macchio and the Outsiders. Yeah. <laughs> Although you know what, it might they might be like similar sizes or something. Maybe. Yeah. You know, because that's I think that it's like the the tallness that gets me with Ralph Macchio, where I'm just like, man, you just look like you're not tall enough to be. Well, there's up, also the my fact, large adult son. There's also the fact are. that he that he spoke like he was still 13. That's true. Even though he was what 21. Yeah, Gump at least sounds like an adult, other than well, the voice pitching, which clearly has happened. Well, that the, it sounds like an adult because it was voiced by a different person. Oh, it was voiced by a different person. Maybe yeah. the guy I looked up was just the voice then, and he wasn't that. Well, the, the voice was a girl. Oh. The the person who played Blix did her own voice for Blix and also did the ADR oh. for uh, Gump. Okay. Another a, a little interesting tidbit here, uh, in the German version... Okay. The guy, the guy who played Gump, voiced both characters, so they switched it. Interesting. Well, I mean, okay, all right. Which, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, um, practice your riddles and puzzles, kids, just in case. Or the fairies will kill you. Or a sphinx comes to kill you. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, the the actor who played Gump was four years younger than Tom Cruise. Hmm. So. Pretty old, it's just like in his twenties, yeah, right? or like like maybe like eighteen, nineteen, something like that. I don't, I don't, okay. I don't quite remember how old Tom Cruise was in this, but yeah, no, definitely did not look like the eight year old he looked like in the movie. Yeah, I assume there was some kind of practical effect happening there, Lord of the sure. Rings style. Yeah, I mean that. Should, I mean, yeah, it, same thing they did there. with the dwarves. Yeah. yeah. And now let's talk about some fun facts and background info about Legend. Just one step. So, movie didn't do super great in the box office. Uh, it was made for $30 million, which uh, I think is the most expensive film we've gotten from Tom Cruise so far. Uh, only made fi- $15.5 domestic, 23.5 worldwide, so lost some money. So, not, a shame. not great there. Uh, critical reception, though, um, 42% from critics, which is uh, not great. But, you know, not the worst either. But uh, 73% uh, fresh on Rotten Tomatoes from uh, from users. So I guess, you know, generally speaking, people are pretty positive on this movie despite its uh, lackluster box office showing. So, yeah, which is fair. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't, it was, it was pretty entertaining. I think, I think of the movies we've seen, it's in the top half. Sure. I mean, we don't have a lot to go on. <laughs> yeah. Yet, but, uh, um, now Tom Cruise did not perform his stunts in this movie. He actually had a stuntman uh, doing the, you know, diving into the pond, and that had to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Aren't I should be the one swinging on the rope and kicking. Say never again. I don't I will think never have a stuntman again. <laughs> I mean. That's true because I don't think he does. This except like except, time. except for like, you know, the super, super like dangerous stuff. And even yeah. then by the time, you know, now in twenty nineteen, he's doing fucking yeah, He's still like stuff. doing motorcycle crashes. He's flying helicopters man. and doing halo jumps. Dude's fucking insane. It makes no sense. But anyways, in this movie, the the only stunts I can think of are the flips, which seem really on a wire? Yes. <laughs> Incredibly on a wire. So I'm guessing that was, you know, the stuntman too. And then, you know, the, the diving into the lake twice was, mm-hmm. I know for a fact that was a stuntman. There, there um, was a swing on the rope where he then got bodied by Satan for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The great scene where he ziplines in and you think he's going to kick 
yeah. you know, darkness in the face, and then darkness just turns around and just punches him off. Yeah, he rolls on that one and just like boom, topples. <laughs> Fucking great. <laughs> I, I like that. It was, it, was a, it, was, it was different from what you were expecting. You're like, oh, he's got the drop on him. And then Darkness just turns around and just... <laughs> uh, and yeah, running. He, he runs. He runs a lot. Yeah. yeah. Fantasy adventure running. Woo. Woo. Runs the things with a sword. He runs, runs the, the sunset at the end, right? Uh, yes. That too. Yeah. That's a long shot of him just sprinting into the sunset. And then they turn back around and there's a weirdly far off shot of everyone waving bye to him yeah that's how you say goodbye <laughs> to your friends right you're like okay guys i'm gonna go and then you just sprint into the sunset <laughs> yeah i mean that's, that's how i leave every every sure. single after gathering. every after every podcast donnie just runs out the door into the sunset while still fucking <laughs> really <laughs> impressive it's just i mean impressive but like also frankly it feels disrespectful at this point you know uh, well, to to who? To us or Karen? You can go. <laughs> I really don't like that. This is becoming a running gag. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this uh, this movie is apparently widely rumored to have been a source of inspiration for Shigeru Miyamoto's classic game series, The Legend of Zelda. Wow, <laughs> I, uh, rumored by who? Ridley Scott? <laughs> Do you think he started that rumor? <laughs> Well, it's I mean, just like, oh, look at that video game. That's just like that movie that I made. I mean, they have goblins. It's basically what I did. Why don't the same? I don't know if that's true. <laughs> sure, but there are some similarities. It can't be true, there yeah. are some. Well, I, like they I both mean, have legend in the name. Okay, that's true. <laughs> well, I was mostly talking like like Una is a lot like Navi. Mm-hmm. Hey. hey. Yeah, hey, listen. listen. Did you have fairies in the first Legend of Zelda game? Uh, well, I, no, I, I think I never really the played fir- it. The first one I played was Ocarina of Time, so. Yeah, I don't think so, unless there are, like, f- you might be able to find fairies somewhere that heal you. Because I know that's yeah. been a, r- a running trope in the games for a while. Yeah, but, you know, kind of the, the costume design is reminiscent. That's true. Like, he does have know. those weird dumb shoes that Link <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> where it's like a boot that goes up. Sure. Yeah. I mean... I don't know if this is accurate or not. It's a little surprising, but it it's not, you know, outside of the realm of possibility that yeah. this could be an inspiration for that game. I don't know. Maybe Miyamoto just really fucking loved Legend starring Tom Cruise. I mean, I, hey, look, there's a lot to love there. I'm seventy three percent of people liked it uh-huh. apparently. So, uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. Sorry, continue. I'm done with your Oh, turn. right. Okay. Uh, well, filming was actually interrupted twice. Firstly, by the studio burning to the ground. Nice. And secondly, by the death of Tom Cruise's father. Holy oh, shit. Oh, that makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. Filming was a little rough in this. Yeah, they, they were filming in an old uh, double o- uh They filmed a 007 movie there. Okay. Oh, I can't remember which one. But uh, yeah, like they, they had most of the filming done and then it burned down. And then after that, they were filmed on like hastily constructed like sets. Okay. Oh, Which, you could kind of tell that because yeah. like there was there were some parts in that near the end where there were definitely backdrops. Yeah, and, a little little janky. But, I mean, and nothing wrong with that. But but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Death of Tom Cruise's father, oh, father, so a little man. rough, little yeah. rough there. So yeah, this uh, yeah, wasn't a super yeah, great really young age for him too. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, yeah. All in all, doesn't seem like a super great like it. Tom Cruise seems like one of those people, and I've in interviews I've seen with him, really has a lot of like a fun time filming movies. And, you know, he's really passionate about it. He likes to learn all of the different you know parts of being a movie and mm-hmm. has a lot of fun. This seems like the one movie where he probably did not have a very good time. Yeah, probably. I would neither. Yeah, I mean, all things considered, you know, we you know his father passed away. Obviously, that's really rough. Um, you know, the studio burning down obviously isn't great. Uh, for movie productions when you have entire sets built and everything and then also you know we already talked about how disappointed he was in right the final production with the cuts and everything so mm-hmm. yeah um here's another one ridley scott drew most of his inspiration for legend from the 1946 version of beauty and the beast which was made in 1946 (laughs) as well as such disney animated classics as snow white the seven dwarfs uh, fantasia and bambi um so this makes a lot of sense to me um Mm -hmm. i think especially early on i noticed um i was kind of trying to think because again i was surprised early on i was like this seems like something i would hate but i'm really liking it and i'm like but it doesn't seem like it like completely gels in its current form and Mm -hmm. it's like it's not really that should be a play because the visuals are kind of the best part and the dialogue's kind of the worst part um, but I think it's like an animated film is what it felt like. Like mm-hmm. if you had animated this film, I actually think that a lot of people might have liked it even more. Um, sure. So it makes sense that they're drawing a lot of and, – and the score, uh, I said that it reminded me of Fantasia. It does a lot of 
work of telling the story early mm-hmm. on. And honestly, like you, you get almost pure ripoff scenes from these movies. Like if you really think about like, you know, Beauty and the Beast, you have the whole, you know, dancing, like, you know, the, the whole thing with the dinner with him trying to seduce, you know, Beauty and the Beast right, right there. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I get a lot of that from when she's, you know, in the in that clearing with the unicorns. I get yeah. like a ton of that. Yeah. That's and then that. true. And then when Bambi had to fight that hag. Well, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> like head off and then the rabbit was like, I'll help you, but I'll you maybe kiss the, me, maybe Bambi. The, oh, yeah, but, but, oh, right. Thumper. Thumper. No. Maybe the Bambi thing was when the unicorn got killed. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, I mean, seriously. And then, you know. Or just I, the general, you know, woodlands creature mm-hmm. yeah, and just vibe. The general, you know, score, like you said, with Fantasia. And like even that dancing scene. I, I kind of got a little bit of Fantasia from that too. You oh, know, absolutely! That, that Especially yeah, with, totally. with what's basically the the dress that's dancing with her and all that. Yeah, like, yeah. The inanimate objects. Yeah, it's like an epitome of darkness. It's not even a human being like mm-hmm. dancing with her or whatever, and then they kind of merge together. I don't know that that really. I felt a lot of Fantasia from that too. So. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see an animated version of this. Get on it, Ridley Scott. <laughs> I believe it's called. Dead? I believe it's called Kingdom no. Hearts. <laughs> okay, get on it, Ridley Scott. <laughs> Uh, Ridley Scott admitted that comments made by some pot-smoking attendees at a screening got the director second-guessing himself and influenced him to cut the film from 150 minutes to 98 minutes. So this is where the infamous cuts come in. You fucking hippies. (laughs) How dare you? It would be fun to smoke pot and watch this movie. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> super into it. I'd be so into the visuals at the beginning. I'd be like, whoa. Oh, my God. Like he's it. right. The human yeah. heart doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Oh, this is what, my God. Hey. I love you, bro. Oh, this is what confuses yeah. me, though. It, I don't touch my Emerald Paranoid the implication right oh, okay. here, <laughs> The implication here is that the comments were negative. I feel like this would be just right up a pot smoker's alley. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I this movie th- fantastic. Or, or the implication might be that, oh, I mean, these pot smokers really weirdly latch on to these points, and this is not what I'm meaning to emphasize yeah. here. Although I could see, like, smoking some weed and dunking on this movie with some <laughs> friends. Sure. Like, this movie sucks, bro. Are, 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 like, is he sure they weren't drunk? Because that's, that's like, oh, that's, uh, that's a be. wine drunk thing <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> Wine drunk Mason. Yeah, that's that's what happens. Podcast is coming to you. Wine (laughs) drunk Mason podcast. Oh, it's gonna be great. Mm. Uh, But yeah, um, it took, and you can definitely tell, like there was a lot of work that went into this, but it took five and a half hours to get Tim Curry's makeup on because his entire body was encased in it, and like pretty pretty clear Mm -hmm. there was there was some intense work done on that. It was a really good costume too. Yeah, I I did read a few other things about about Tim Curry's makeup and how in depth it actually was and how many problems they had with it. Uh, apparently, they had an issue with the horns okay. uh, because you, you saw the horns they went out they weren't straight up they were out in front uh-huh. and uh, originally they were so heavy they were causing him neck problems. Okay. So they had to construct new horns out of a like a really lightweight material. And um, I, there was there was some story I think. I can't remember where I, I I had heard this prior, but um, there was some story where like he started to get claustrophobic in the makeup and like mm. it, like it, it was a long process to get the makeup off. He basically had to soak in a solution for like a like an hour or whatever to get Ugh. the stuff off, and he like couldn't take it and started ripping it off and ended up ripping his skin off. Oh, oh, oh my oh, god! No. So. Why did really? you tell me this? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so and that, that reminds me a lot of um, when we went. Sorry, I saw the uh, the people who played some of the some of the monsters in Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, just speaking, talking about this live, and they had a lot of the same kind of commentary. I think you were there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they had a lot of the same comments, which also interesting. If you're interested, in, like the kind of hell that people in this kind of makeup have to go through, look up what the uh, Cenobites had to go through in Hellraiser too. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. This is probably a common thing with, especially back then. You know, with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's i think you know with the advance in technology or whatever it might be a little bit easier you know to get the prosthetics off and stuff like that well now you just put them in a suit with a bunch of weird balls on it and green screen that shit well weird balls weird balls i guess but <laughs> make norman reedus walk around weird doing balls, weird poses the Mason story. <laughs> but, i mean you, you just got weird balls and wine drunk Sorry. i mean you just gotta think like he's completely <laughs> you know head head to toe encased in something you know that for hours at a time or whatever you know mm-hmm. that's got to be pretty pretty oh. rough after a while oh absolutely especially like if you're doing like a full day of shooting in that because like if it takes five hours to get on you have to imagine you're getting there at like 
three, four in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, getting all that shit done, then you're in it for like a good eight hour shoot. Yeah. Eight, 10 hours or more. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Now this, uh, skin ripping incident while horrible for Tim Curry, uh, actually ended up, I think creating a strength for the movie. Cause if you kind of notice, you don't really get a good look at darkness until that dinner scene. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, he was sh- he had to shoot around Tim Curry because he didn't want to put the makeup back on his freshly ripped off skin. Yeah. Uh, so he shot around him and he kind of started to realize by shooting around him that it built up tension. So he actually went back and refilmed some of the earlier scenes to kind of give him more mystery. He's always in shadow mm-hmm. or you see him from behind. You don't get to see his face and you really don't get to see it until, you know, the last third of the movie. And it, it I think it works. Yeah, you know, I think it's so. it, He was it, kind it, of a cool villain at the end. Yeah, it kind of, it, it builds up this mystique about who this Lord of Darkness is and everything. And then you see him and that fantastic makeup and it, of, it really worked out really kind well. Kind of a similar thing to like with Star Wars building up the Emperor just through like weirdly shadowed holograms yeah, and things like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time prior to filming, uh, Tom Cruise had a disliking, had, had a disliking, had disliking, to, uh, for cutting his hair. Uh, when cast for the part, uh, his long locks were the perfect look for the forest-dwelling Jack. The wording on this is great. Um, it is the longest length of Tom's natural hair captured in a film. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I mean, he does have really long hair here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and normally, you know, he, he kind of goes back and forth with a short, long look or whatever. But, right. yeah, this is the longest we've ever actually seen his actual hair. So, yeah, sorry. Sorry if you thought that was his real hair in Rock of Ages, but it was not. Nobody cared. Oh, oh no. Nobody, nobody <laughs> oh, watched oh, that no. movie except us. that movie. <laughs> us and the 500,000 fans will have by then. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, the face of the Goblin Blix was designed after that of Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. What? Whoa, spot on. Which, which <laughs> I didn't actually <laughs> didn't actually see that at the time. But now that I'm reading this, it makes perfect sense. And damn good don't, job. Don't do damn drugs, kids. Good job. Yeah, and this was a. Uh, this was thought up the idea of this was thought up by the actress who played blix and was supported by Ridley Scott, and they went with it, and I think it worked. Turned out pretty good. Blix, uh, blix. Looked pretty good. Yeah. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, as far as uh, a bunch of people were also considered for the role of Jack, including Jim Carrey, Johnny Depp, and Robert Downey Jr., I think all of those would have been very different movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I actually think this role would would have been pretty well suited to Johnny Depp. Like when I read that, I kind of thought like, yeah, I could really see him in this role. I mean, that's around the time he was doing things like Edward Scissorhands. And yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, I think he fits the fantasy thing it a bit more. It would have been a little weirder. Sure. Than, yes. Like he probably wouldn't have played it as straight as Tom Cruise did. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, Helena Johnny. Bonham Carter would have had to be really. It would have been a Tim Burton movie with mm-hmm. him and Helena Bonham and Carter. Daniel and yeah. all the music. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, honestly, I think Jack was like a small enough like role, almost secondary, that I could see almost any of these working. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom Cruise has a certain like earnestness to him yeah. that maybe some of them didn't, but um, yeah, those be, are all pretty talented I young just, actors. He was at the time. he was central, but he was mostly there for like a lot of the action and a, lo- a yeah. lot of the plot was happening around him, and that's kind of like his whole his journey is adapting to that and learning to essentially push through all of the adversity that's there. Yeah, I don't really know how I feel how I would feel about Jim Carrey. He's like the one that's kind of giving me pause. That's fair, especially the action scenes. I don't yeah. see him pulling that off. You as know, well. Robert Downey Jr. at this time, I don't know. Maybe he kind of gets like at this at this point in his career, Tom Cruise is still kind of like that wholesome, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know, young young kid or whatever. Robert Downey Jr. This is kind of in his you know bad boy druggy bad boy days so wait wait you can't see you can't see robert downey jr at that age uh talking about how human hearts just don't work that way no i can see uh, robert downey like, jr uh, curb stomping darkness Ooh, that's <laughs> like i said it's a different movie and i'm kind of there for it unlike uh america's good boy johnny depp uh, oh no <laughs> well oh no at the time mm, yeah. at the time at the, the time he was johnny depp, i think johnny depp could have pulled it off best he's got some action chops and he could have he could say a line like the are human saying, heart doesn't work that way. That's my yeah, Johnny sure. Depp voice. Sure. Are, are, but are you saying that Jim Gaffner, Carrey? The human heart does not work that British. way. Am I? I'm not even British. <laughs> I guess um, I had a completely wrong conception of how Johnny Depp sounds this whole time. Is he French? No, he's he, American. American. Wow. Uh-huh. He's just really good at 
doing weird roles of different yeah yeah he, yeah he's he's from kentucky <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> kentucky, kentucky as we all know the most british of american yeah, states the, oh, yeah, the, no. the, france, <laughs> the france of america is kentucky honestly it's our australia uh continue what does that even mean <laughs> i don't know take it take from it what you will all right, and that's all we have on Legend. Join us next time when we talk about the greatest Tom Cruise movie of all time, Top Gun. Don't at me. It's true. I'm Donovan Bruce. If you like this episode, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and go check out Cruising at Pod on Letterboxd for our Tom Cruise movie rankings and other general movie stuff. I'm Andrew Mount. Social media is toxic, so do not follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Delete your social media. Um, for this, and uh, you know we got some other podcasts going on, uh, go ahead and head to our uh, website, gcatsmedia.com. Once again, that's G as in gravy, catsmedia.com. One last time, that's gcatsmedia.com, a name which I love talking about every week because it doesn't make me ashamed at all. And I'm Mason Kuzmich, and look, uh, we're going to apparently do the same song and dance every week, but follow <laughs> us on Twitter. Follow just us on Twitter, at Pod. We're good. We're the good social media. We'll just give you fun no, Tom Cruise facts. You know it's making you less happy. <laughs> just fun Tom Cruise facts and new episodes and a lot of wholesome memes. It's, it's going to be great. <laughs> Are there going to be memes? <laughs> There are now. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been listening to Cruising It. say satin yes <laughs> excuse me <laughs> hi my name is jason garrett oh yay good job fourth and 37 screen pass yeah screen to zeke <laughs> have zeke run it up the middle oh we got two yards yeah, Clock. Right. we have better positioning for the punt that we're gonna do we're all cucks <laughs> oh oh no <laughs> Jason Garrett is the only person in the world that I feel comfortable calling a cuck.